It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Welcome to another episode of the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being here, friends. My name is Mike Bernard. I'm your host. I'm also one of the CFPs on the program. With me in the KFG studios, my business partners and fellow CFPs, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. What are the contribution limits for your retirement plan next year? Your 401k, your simple IRA. How about your Roth IRA or your HSA? We've got those answers coming up. But more important than that, what is your overarching tax strategy? That and more this hour of the Wise Money Show. That's right. And we've got questions from fans of the show that we're going to be hitting later in the program. Special thanks to Auto Owners Insurance for sponsoring that segment. So we appreciate that. You can submit questions to us a few different ways. You can call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. Online, wisemoneyshow.com. And then all over social media, wherever you're at, we are there as well. Search the Wise Money Show and engage with us and submit questions there as well. Okay, so guys, like Kevin said, one of the first things that you do as you hire a new CFP is you start determining what your tax shelter strategies are. Right. I mean, that is so geeky to say, but like, are you funding Roth? Are you funding? Are you doing Roth conversions? Are you doing HSA? Like, you're gonna figure that out. And uh, Kevin, that sort of inspired this, uh, was it last show or two shows ago, started calling it bracketology. Lo- love that. I didn't yeah. think you were that cool, Kevin. It but, gave me uh, goosebumps. I thought maybe we were into March Madness again. That's one yeah, of my favorite I know. times well, of year. People uh, underestimate my level of hipness. Yeah. But yeah, I am really with it. So so we want to talk about what are our favorite tax shelter strategies to help you think about you know which ones you should employ. But this episode is not advice. It is not because your tax shelter strategy needs to be connected to the other five areas of your financial life. Otherwise, it's dumb. I'll just say that. Like D-U-M dumb. Right. Otherwise, it's a bad <laughs> idea. Right. And yep. so it's got to make sense in your cash flow. It's got to make sense with your protection plan, with your investment planning, retirement planning, and estate planning. So um, we'll start by talking about tax uh the contribution limits and then we'll flow into that but comments well i I think the the interesting thing is when you think about this uh, there's a couple things that i want to say to set the table first of all there's a difference between tax planning and tax preparation so so tax planning is one of the six areas of financial planning that's why mike you're saying when you hire your your certified financial planner what is your tax plan and i was just Talking with a, a good friend of mine who reached out and said, hey, I love your love the stuff that you guys do, and I'm excited about retirement in a few years. I want to try and be retired at 55. I've got this money at this uh, just this firm in St. Louis, and what do you think about what I'm paying for it? And I'm like, well, I think you're asking the wrong question. The question should be, how often does this guy uh, talk to your tax planner and your insurance agent? That to me is the question because what we're going to talk about today, I don't, I, I hope you don't get lost because you're, 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 I'm going to oversimplify and say you're in one of two categories. You're in the category where you say, hey, listen, I've got um, financial resources, but I don't have enough to fully fund everything that you're talking about. So what should I fractionally fund yeah. to get the biggest benefit? 
And then you're, you might be in the camp where you say, hey, listen, I've, you know, God's blessed me with sufficient resources that I can pay all of my bills, and I've got lots of extra left over, and I don't know exactly where to put all of it. Mm-hmm. And especially for that person, you want to know what are the options and, and what are the limits and how do you make them work together? Well, this is one of the things that I, I would say almost every really, truly successful um, family, uh, when it comes to finances and everything, they, they all have this in common, that they totally take advantage of the tax shelters that are available to them. Agreed. This is kind of a subset of your overall tax plan, because you, you don't want to just throw money into certain tax shelters just because they're there, right? This has to be linked to some broader strategy, some overall game plan for what you're trying to achieve in your life. And certainly you want to match the tax strategies or the tax shelters with the the life outcomes that you're shooting for. What are the goals you're trying to achieve, right? And so, uh, you know, I think it is important. I, I don't know how often we really dedicate an entire show to just talking about your tax tax shelter strategy. Right. But that's where we're going today. And it's important for you to just stay up to date on what's changing from year to year. And here's what you know, in 2022, some of the rules are changing. You get to contribute a little bit more, but how do you decide what the right amount is and where to put it? That's what we're going to talk about. Okay. So let's hit contribution limit changes. So 401k, if you're into maxing that out, it's been 19,500. That's your that's your contribution maximum that you can do. Uh, if you're age 50 or older, you get to throw another 6,500 in there. So your limit's been 26,000. They're increasing that $1,000. That catch-up contribution staying 6,500 bucks, but now everyone can contribute up to 100% of their earnings with the, key, with, the, right? with the cap of 20,500 bucks. And, and you can contribute 100% of your earnings. That's, that's what's allowed. But the reality is what is allowed is what's allowed by your plan. Yeah. Right. So yeah. there are some plans that do not let you do that much. Uh, I was just working with a client with a plan. They can only put 50% of their salary in. That is one of the most frustrating things as a financial planner when you know a strategy is right for a client mm-hmm. and they want to take advantage of it. You want to. It fits in their overall game plan and yet they're limited by a decision that maybe an employer put in place maybe a decade or two ago and they just mm-hmm. haven't revisited the retirement plan to update it to, um, I, I don't know, give maximum flexibility to their, their employees. So, now, But that's more rare. You know, when I started yes, in, in, it the, is more in rare. the world, like when I started in the financial world, it was, you know, common, 25%, you know, whatever, right. something like that. that. That's very rare now. Uh, we're not going to go through all of it because it doesn't apply to, to so many folks, but I'm looking at the 401k plan limits and how they're different and you know, there's um, there's higher limits. There's total contribution maximums, which includes your after-tax 401k and profit share and other things. Those limits have increased about three thousand dollars, sixty-seven five hundred. If you're age fifty or older, Kevin, you want to comment on that? Yeah, I'm going to say that 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 does make some sense, but it's going to make very little sense to most of the yeah. folks listening. I think what might be helpful as well to know is with the simple IRA, if you're if you're participating in a simple IRA, your limit was thirteen five in twenty twenty and it's fourteen thousand in twenty twenty two. What about the IRA and Roth? Any changes there? Yeah, they didn't change it. Yeah, I know. 
Um, I, who knows? I mean, they can always tuck another tax law change in there. But when, when they went through and were looking at all these contribution limits, they updated the 401k and HSA and many others. But for whatever reason, they didn't allow you to save a little bit more. I, I, into knew, the IRA. I knew the reason way back when I, I did a next right step sort of shorty video on this uh, a couple months ago when they came out with these new when, the, when they came out these new limits and they increase it like 5% a year, but not they won't increase it until that threshold is 500 bucks. bucks yeah. Here's the problem though. I don't know if you've looked or gone grocery shopping or if you've put gas in your car, but we've got inflation yeah. and we're we're starting to see wages increase as well and so I that one this shocks me that they didn't override the system and allow people to contribute exactly. more to Roths and IRAs. Yeah, I would not win on the prices right, but I had someone this morning tell me she used to buy 24 eggs at Walmart for like three bucks, and now it's six bucks. So I don't, I don't know. That could be true or not true. But here's what we know: that the basket of goods and services that you're buying costs more than it did meaningfully That's a year right. ago. Yeah. HSA contributions are up fifty bucks per person, or a hundred bucks for the family. So thirty six fifty for self only, and seventy three hundred for. Uh, family plan and you get that catch up of a thousand bucks so okay that's all the geeky stuff what are the strategies you need to consider we've got that and more coming up on the wise money show with corhorn financial group this is wise money with corhorn financial group all right what's what's your tax shelter funding strategy i would argue one of the most important decisions that you're going to make in your financial life with your CFP. We're going to help you with that right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of the Wise Money Show is on podcast. Go check it out wherever you listen to podcasts. Search the Wise Money Show. Follow us. Subscribe to us. Whatever. But either way, rate the show. We appreciate that. And leave a comment. Thank you. All right, so we're talking about tax shelter strategies. This one doesn't get that much of it, uh, that much attention. I don't know, guys. I put it right up there with level of importance as your asset allocation. Yeah, pretty close, I think. Um, and maybe that the when you retire, like the date you retire, like this is that important. Okay, uh -huh. what is your tax shelter strategy? And the great thing is. Those of you that think it's on autopilot and stays the same every year, that's not the case. Mm -hmm. And you've got to look at this every single year and say, what's is the, the tax shelter strategy that I've been using, is it still the right one for me? I love that you're putting those on the same level, though. The, the mix of investments that you use to fund your goals and the tax shelters themselves, the buckets that the money goes into, what mix do you use there? Because it will determine not only what kind of tax write-offs you can get up front in this current year, but also what are the different pools of money that you can go draw on when it's time to actually start using these resources to fund the goals down the road. That's that's right. That's right. Okay, so we're going to hit some of our favorite tax shelter strategies. And the first one, oh, I love this one. When when someone's got the uh, enough resources or income um, or maybe non-IRA assets. All right, I'll just stop talking. Max fund your pre-tax 401k. So put as much as you can pre-tax in your 401k, and then also max out your Roth IRA. It's sort of getting um, both sides uh, of, of the goodies there. Yeah, so you're, you're saying uh, do a combination of some money 
that reduces your taxable income up front. That's the traditional 401k or a 403b if you work for a nonprofit of some sort. But then match that also up with Roth IRA, which is already taxed money yep. going into an account that it can grow tax-free. Uh, do you do you limit this in your mind to just doing pre-tax and Roth together? Or what if they were both Roth or both No, you, cer- you certainly can. Again, there's uh, an infinite number of tax shelter strategies. But this one, I, uh, this one seems to hit a lot of people where you're looking and say, well, right now I have high income, yep. but we have really low lifestyle. Like we don't need that much. Mm-hmm. And so in retirement, you know, I, I, I don't think we're going to need to be drawing a lot out. So hard to imagine we'll be in this high of a tax bracket. Well, then you say, well, if you've got a lot of margin there between your income and your spending, let's let's avoid taxes today. But then let's continue funding tax shelters. So do full pre-tax and then add Roth contribution. And the decision-making process for whether you toggle in the 401k between pre-tax or after-tax has to do with if where your income falls. Because if your income, if you're married and your income falls in the 190 to 210 range, if you're north of that, you, you are phased out from contributing to a Roth IRA. Mm-hmm. So therefore, you might want to say, all right, well, let's do a pre-tax. You also might be looking at the child care credits and the the child tax credits and say, hey, there's a sweet spot in there that if I'm using pre-tax, I can I can work my income down to a certain level. So this is this is the thing. None of these um, are standalone decisions. If you make one decision pre-tax or after tax into the 401k, there's a cascading effect of all of the other decisions that get made for you. So this is where you want to understand what decision am I making and and what are the ramifications across my financial plan and what I can and can't do. Yeah, I I love that. In fact, we we did an entire show talking about the different phase outs of, of certain tax credits and other goodness that could be landing on your tax return. But if your income just creeps a little too high, all of a sudden you can be left out in the cold, not getting some of these benefits. But that traditional 401k is a way to maybe kind of manipulate your income back down, make yourself eligible. And one of them being uh, maybe it, it suddenly makes a difference between you being able to contribute to the Roth IRA or not. So uh, I, I love the, the combination, how you yeah. mix that up really is is important. So those are two use cases for that one. Current trends, I see fewer people doing that right now because we're all sort of watchful for higher taxes and aware of RMD with how markets have run up. So I do see more people, Josh, sort of max funding the Roth 401k instead of pre-tax. But those two use cases that Kevin and I brought up, there's no difference there. I mean, th- those right. still very very applicable. There. And I would like to chime in just as the old guy in the room. So I've been doing this for 28 years. And my my whole career, it, it, we've been worried about two different boogeymen. <laughs> One is the boogeyman of when I get into retirement, I'm going to be paying higher taxes in retirement than I was while I was working. That for most people is just not true. Right. And then the, and, um, so this is this is that should factor in and thinking hey look at how much we are spending as a country for sure for sure for sure they've got to raise taxes my, my for my entire career all they've done is 
is lower taxes. Yeah. So that's one of the boogeymen. And the other boogeyman is they're going to raise interest rates. Because you know, we've been saying that since the, <laughs> since the early 2000s. And the only thing that's happened to interest rates is they've come down. It's one of the most humbling parts of my entire career right there is the <laughs> predictions on, on interest rates. But you know what? I, I love the perspective that you just gave, though, because the longer you get into this business, the more history you have to look back on and the more stories, the more ways that you can say, yeah, well, here's how it used to be. Here's what the strategy used to be. Here's what the thinking used to be. And it changes over time. Yeah. And, and that's why this topic is so important, because the tax shelters you use, the right answer can change from year to year. And your circumstances or the tax laws themselves can change. And so this cannot be just, hey, there's a right answer and you just charge forward for your entire career. You have to revisit this concept every single year with your certified financial planner. That's right. All right. So next strategy, we've devoted entire shows to this. We'll continue to do so. It's one of our favorites right now, and that's the shoebox HSA. So who's this a good fit for? What's the strategy? Who's this a good fit for? It's a good fit for someone who's got their budget dialed in and knows that they can pay their out-of-pocket medical expenses with cash. And in addition to that, they can fund the HSA. So in order to be eligible to fund an HSA, you have to have an HSA-eligible health plan. Mm -hmm. And there's really two choices. One is I'm going to put the money in, I'm going to take the money out, and that's what it's all about. So you can do that, and that would be the spending HSA, or you can put the money in and leave it there. And if you did that, you you if you're leaving it there, you'd invest it. So there's so you think I put the money in, take it out, that's the spending. I put the money in, leave it there, that's the investing. And because the the with the investing, you're saying I'm going to take that money out later. And I'm going to offset it with expenses that I have because you don't have to offset in the current year your expenses and what you take out of the HSA. That's right. Yeah. So that's the shoebox idea. You take all these receipts that you've been paying out of pocket and you throw them in a shoebox. To me, I've got a digital shoebox. I just take, I've got a folder set up in my cloud. And every time I pay a bill, I write on it, paid personal credit card, and I scan that in directly into into the cloud. Will they ever audit me on that? I have no idea, but basically that's my ticket. That mm -hmm. that receipt is my ticket of saying, okay, at some time in the future of my choosing, I can withdraw that much money out of my HSA with no tax. And and how I improve this strategy is that I invest my HSA and have it grow and be worth more in the future. So more tax strategies like that you need to consider coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. All right, I got an interesting tax strategy right now. If you've got a lot of dollars that are not inside of a tax shelter for whatever reason, I'll explain. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of the Wise Money Show is on the YouTube channel. Go check it out. Go to YouTube, search the Wise Money Show, subscribe to it, turn on notifications, and uh, and you'll be up to date on all wise money content that we drop. All right, so the next tax strategy, we're talking about our favorite tax shelter strategies, is if for whatever reason, I can think of two scenarios, you have a lot of non-tax sheltered money, 
okay? Then using that money to either max fund 401ks and Roth IRAs, so basically use your income to contribute as much as you can into 401k, so you max it out and you live off of this non-IRA, or transferring this non-IRA directly into the Roth or, or your IRA to make those contributions, or using it early in retirement and doing Roth conversions. I know I threw a lot at you there, but they're all sort of connected to one strategy, and that is when you have a lot of money that's not sitting in a tax shelter. Well, how could that be? One, one uh, case in particular is you inherited a chunk of money from mom and dad or a family member. Right. And, and a fan of the show I know is listening right now, we're working through this, where we were working one financial plan and we're working it and we're close to retirement. His wife's just about to retire. And then tragically, sadly, very close to him, dad passed away. Oh, six months later, mom passed away. Oh my goodness, you gotta be uh, kidding. And, and now he's got, you know, a quarter of a million bucks now that's not in a tax shelter. Mm-hmm. And he came in just for a normal financial plan. I'm like, this is not a normal finance. The entire financial plan changes. For sure. Mm-hmm. Now, do mm-hmm. we delay Social Security? Do we do we contribute 100% to your Roth 401k and have you live off of this money? Do we do more Roth conversions and pay the tax out of this money? So it, having a lot of money non in a, in outside of a tax shelter creates a lot of tax planning strategies. Yeah, absolutely. And it depends on how close you are to retirement, potentially. Yeah. You know, if if you're on the eve of retirement, or maybe you've already stepped into retirement, but you haven't yet started Social Security, you haven't turned on that faucet, this may provide, the, the inheritance scenario that you're describing, it might provide some resources that all of a sudden you can postpone Social Security even further. Mm-hmm. Maybe all the way to age 70. And for many people, that's what makes the difference between them maxing out or totally optimizing what amount they'll get out of Social Security versus may- maybe giving themselves a pay cut permanently forever into the future by drawing too too early. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. Well, so another reason why, real, really quick, why you might have more dollars in in non-tax shelters is you weren't aware of this tax shelter strategy. You've just been funding dollars into a side account. Maybe you sold real estate, something like that. So it it can be applicable a few different situations. Another strategy, and this is for you that all of a sudden looked at that boogeyman that Kevin talked about and thought that one's real. Taxes are going to be higher for me in the future. Mm -hmm. And if that's you, max funding your Roth 401k, and doing backdoor Roth contributions. Let's talk about that strategy. Well, if you're if you're max funding the Roth IRA, that means that the Roth four one k. Yep, the Roth four one k. That means I'm taking twenty six thousand dollars. I'm assuming. I just assume that because I'm assuming you're fifty plus. So I put I put twenty six thousand dollars in. I pay taxes on that. So when I look at my W two, I don't have the twenty six thousand dollar deduction on that. I'm paying taxes on that real time. All the growth of that is tax-free. So that is max funding the Roth 401k. And then the backdoor Roth IRA is I do an IRA contribution, a traditional IRA, if you will, after tax. And then there are two ways to get money into a Roth IRA. And you say, I'm making too much money to contribute. Then the other way I can do it is to convert. So I move from traditional IRA to Roth IRA via conversion, I put after-tax money in, and therefore when I convert, there's no tax consequence. 
So the, that gets both of those funded. And so it, it, taking the 50 plus person, I, I did 26 plus seven. So that's, uh, that's a lot of money. It is, and it's it's a little. <laughs> it's more Thank next you. year, right? Yeah. Thank you for not trying to do math on the radio. I'm that's not going to do math on the radio because I'm going to go. That, that's forty five grand. That's a lot of money. <laughs> and, then, and then your your co-host will just stare at you like I can't, I can't believe. Not so, that, not that and the other thing that I would tell you, and then, and I was doing this back before it was popular, back when the IRA limit was two grand. I was telling people that there wasn't a backdoor Roth IRA. This was this was uh, before 1998. Why do I want to say okay, boomer? What, 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 like that seems You're like such the appropriate, a trendsetter. Seems like okay. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I I, I, I can't I can't help myself. I, I set trends. That's what I do. So so I said, listen, put the money in after tax. You don't qualify for a pre-tax IRA. Put it in after tax. So I would still tell you, hey, if if you got a couple hundred grand in an IRA. And you say, hey, I therefore I the the backdoor Roth IRA real time strategy doesn't work very well. That's fine. Put the put the six grand or seven grand into that traditional IRA. Build up your after tax uh, IRA money there, and right before retirement, d- separate it like you separate the the egg yolk from the egg white, and take your pre tax IRA, throw it in your four hundred one k. Then you have just after-tax IRA money, convert that, and then roll your 401k out. Yeah, that I mean, that's like advanced planning right there. A lot of people don't even realize that you can do that. But if you didn't follow all that, rewind, listen to that a few more times, because there's some important strategies there. But the, the people that we're talking about are folks who have resources, and they want to max out how much they can get stuffed into accounts that are outside the reach of the government's hands when it comes to taxation, Yeah, right? For now. Especially if you're worried about taxes going up in the future, then man, these tax-free accounts could be one of your best friends in retirement. So, And it may go back to that scenario you were just talking about a moment ago, someone who inherited a bunch of money. Maybe you've never been able to max fund anything in your entire life, and now all of a sudden you've got some extra resources. It it may be time to do some fancy footwork and adjust your your paycheck at work so you max out what you're allowed to do there. And if that makes your paycheck too small at home to live off of, that's okay. You've got this pool of resources that you just inherited. Maybe you live off a portion of those. All right. So here's my favorite tax shelter strategy, and it, and I'm gonna put it under this umbrella, and it is contribute pre-tax enough to get your adjusted gross income below a certain threshold so you then qualify for more credits. Okay, so so that's the overarching strategy. My favorite one beneath that, retirement savers credit. I love looking at tax returns <laughs> for young professionals or people just starting out or or someone transitioning into retirement where their adjusted gross income is pretty low, you know, mm-hmm. 60, and you have them you can have them contribute a little bit into a retirement account and all of a sudden they qualify for a tax credit for putting money towards their retirement. Most people don't realize this, that you can actually get freebies from the government for doing what you should be doing anyway, and that's saving for your retirement. There's some tricks with this though. The the credit is based on $2,000 of contribution per spouse. Mm -hmm. So if that means you're married and one of you puts six grand in, you only get a benefit of two grand. You should have put four grand in and had your spouse put two grand in. You'd have increased your credit. There are there's thresholds with this credit where sometimes it's ten percent, sometimes it's fifty percent. 
right? And so uh, it also, one of the other reasons why I love this one, it defies some of the logic because in that scenario, you're in a low tax bracket, so you should be doing Roth. Well, maybe not because maybe you can get your adjusted gross income down below a a certain number and that all of a sudden moves your credit from 20% to 50%. I just love it. That one is... Isn't that one so fun? It is. During yep. tax season, when you're reviewing a return, you say, I got something here. Yeah. yeah Be- because fun. when you're reviewing that tax return, it's not too late to contribute. That's so. right. That's right. All right. We've got questions from fans of the show. That and more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn, Josh Gregory just had to step out. Uh, every episode of the Wise Money Show, f- catch up to it online, wisemoneyradio.com, wisemoneyshow.com, I'm sorry, um, or all over social media. Wherever you're at, we are there as well. Just search the Wise Money Show. Connect with us. We were going to be hitting some questions from fans of the show, both either came from the website or through social media, so engage with us there. All right, before we transition to listener questions sponsored mm-hmm. by Auto Owners Insurance, thank you very much. Uh, let's let's put a wrap on the tax shelter strategy discussion we've been having. The, the one thing that we did, well, there are many things that we didn't mention, but the one thing that I think is notable that we should mention is if you are charitably inclined and you give money I would want to make sure you've got the right strategy for how you give. Oh, so yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna just give you um, three different buckets. One one bucket is I'm 72 and I've got IRA money and I'm charitably inclined. You should be giving that money through the I'm gonna just call it a process of a qualified charitable distribution or if we're shortening that up, call it a QCD. If you don't know what that is, you need to be talking to your financial planner and say, hey, should I be doing something with this QCD thing, giving money from my IRA directly to a charity? That's that's one thing. The next one is if you had a, a, a ridiculous year income-wise and you say, hey, I'm going to tithe off of this and I'm going to give a proportion of money, but I don't want to give all that money to my church this year because it, I go to a small church and it might screw things up or whatever. You can look at a donor advised fund. So you take, I've got a huge income this year. I put money in a donor advised fund. I offset my income with a current gift, but I don't have to distribute the money until I decide at a time of my choosing. The third piece of giving money is I've got highly appreciated stock, like super highly appreciated stock. I would encourage you if you're giving money to your children or you're giving money to a charity, that should not be in the form of cash. It should be in the form of highly appreciated stock because your kids like, let's just, if if I'm profiling, the kids are going to pay zero in capital gains tax on that unless they're making a ton of money. So I would think about giving money to my children via highly appreciated assets. I would think about giving money to a charity versus highly appreciated assets. And that's another uh, use case for a donor advised fund. So so those those kind of three buckets, uh, qualified charitable distribution, use a donor advised fund for for a high income year and using highly appreciated assets to do my gifting. Those three. And, and what about the combination of doing any of those more aggressive gifting strategies 
in combination with realizing more income. You said if you've had a really big income year, mm -hmm. um, but you could make yourself have a high income year sure. by by selling some of that low basis stock if you've got a lot mm -hmm. and then coupling that with a big gift to help lessen the burden or do some Roth conversions, coupling that with a big gift to help lessen that tax pain. So uh, love that strategy. I mean, yeah, we, we, we help clients with that all the time. And then I, I think the last one I would tuck in is we haven't really talked about I me. Mean, with for retirement and for even giving those strategies we haven't talked about tax shelters for college and when you're saving up for college i mean there's there's the favorite tax shelter is the is the 529 plan that's yep. that's the that's the strategy you got to rule in or for some odd reason rule out if if it doesn't apply to you but that would be our favorite tax tax shelter strategy when it comes to college. And I would say don't overlook the educational savings account, but it's e easily overlooked because the features of it aren't great. So when we were starting the program, oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, so go, keep going. When, you, when we were starting the program, we talked about bracketology. And so my challenge to you, if you're listening to this and you're like, hey, I'm kind of fired up right now. I got some energy. I want to do something. I've, I'm on my third cup of coffee. Here's what I would tell you to do. I would tell you to know exactly to the penny what your adjusted gross income was last year. You can find that on your federal return. And then I would I would know what your taxable income is on your federal return. And those are different. The adjusted gross income is what flows to your state tax return if you are in a state where you pay state taxes. And then your taxable income is what you pay taxes on on the federal side of life. And I would look because the brackets go from 10, 12, 22, 24, 32, 35, 37. As of today, who knows that could change tomorrow, but that those are what the brackets are. And I would look and say, am, am I better off paying tax, paying more tax in a lower bracket today than I would in the future? And that's the, that's the $64,000 question. And a lot of times, you know, when you, when you, if you're listening and you say that sounds way too complicated, then I'd say, well, then come in and walk through it with a planner. Make sure your planner is certified. But that planner, you want them to have a heart, the heart of a teacher and have them lay it out for you. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. I mean, this, what we've talked about, there's, so actually even before we, we turned on the, the cameras and microphones, I told these guys, I'm like, there's an infinite number of tax sheltered tax sheltering strategies it's just it's infinite so this this conversation could get a little loose here um but your this is not advice i mean we're giving you some ideas there are tons more there's an infinite number more and it could change from year to year and so work with your certified financial planner this should be one of the first things that they're helping you with and you'll know because they're giddy like they're giddy and like this is the fun part of uh, of comprehensive financial planning is looking for ways to do what you need to be doing anyway towards your financial goals, but do it in a way that is is helping you pay the least amount of tax over your lifetime. That That is the primary goal there. So, all right, uh, let's transition to, to questions from fans of the show. Again, thank you, auto owners, for sponsoring this segment. I'm trying to look for a document, Kevin, to help us answer this question and uh, we'll, we'll see. I, I can't find it just yet. We'll see. But uh, this is an email from Annie. So actually, she went to uh, wisemoneyshowit.com and submitted a question right there on the website. Turns into an email, goes directly to me. Here's what she said. I'd like to know how, how to get 
the premium tax credits for health insurance? What's the income limit if I'm single? Does an IRA distribution or an inherited IRA count as income? So sort of three questions in one there centered around premium tax credits. So, uh, so, so let's at least hit that first. How do you, what are premium tax credits and how do you get them? So, and, and if you check Slack, you might be, have what you're looking for. So that basically if I'm doing health insurance and I'm going to, uh, make it really simple. If my health insurance premium, if I'm going on the exchange and I'm using an affordable care act, or you might some people might call it Obamacare. If I'm using one of those plans and my premium is $500, they're going to look at my income. And if my income is below a certain level, I qualify for a premium tax credit. And the way that that works is I would get what's called an advanced premium tax credit because we, we estimate my income and we say, well, based on my income being at this level, instead of paying $500 a month for this, I only pay $200 a month. And then at the end of the year, there's a true up. And if I should have only paid $200 a month, nothing happens. If I should have paid more, that either reduces my refund or it increases the amount I have to pay. If I should have paid less than it, then the, the the same thing happens in reverse. But basically, the way that this works is when you think of the Affordable Care Act, there are, I mean, this is bracketology as well. Yeah. Um, there are certain thresholds where they say, okay, you should, based on your income, you should be able to afford X amount of health insurance premium. If your income is below that, we're going to give you a credit. And if it's above that, you pay full freight. That's right. What, what I was looking for, and Kevin, what you what you shared with me was close. But what I was looking for is they've recently changed some of these rules within some of the stimulus plans. Mm-hmm. And it used to be you, in order to receive a premium tax credit, again, you needed to buy your insurance through healthcare.gov, through the exchange. And your income, your adjusted gross income, not your taxable income, but not your gross, gross, gross income either, your your modified adjusted gross income, needed to be below 400% above the poverty line. <laughs> <laughs> At least they made it simple. And so for a married couple with no kids, uh, that's that was around $68,000, something like that. Well, they've changed those rules. And now your income can be even above that and you can still get some premium tax credits. But obviously, the premium tax credits start going away. They start phasing out because basically the government has determined what affordable is for health insurance mm-hmm. when you're buying insurance through that through healthcare.gov. And that is you shouldn't spend more than eight and a half percent of your modified address to gross income for health insurance. Mm-hmm. That's that's what they've deemed. So so even if your income is above four hundred percent above the federal poverty limit, you could still get some tax credits now, some premium tax credits now. But if your income is way above that, that'll start getting phased out because eight and a half percent of a big number is a big number. Now, let's go on to the next question that she asked. Um, Does an IRA distribution or an inherited IRA count as income? Yes. Yes, it does. Absolutely. Modified adjusted gross income. So listen, income is your wages. Income is also capital gains. 
It's your dividends. It's your rental income. It's your unemployment income. It's, it's your part of Social Security that's taxable. It's, it's your Social Security, yep, and your IRA withdrawals. And so that's the tricky thing. If you're if you're looking at healthcare.gov, uh, Affordable Care Act insurance, as your bridge between workplace health insurance and Medicare, and you say, but I've got to get income as well, so how can I get enough income and still get a lot of, uh, of premium tax credits, really cheap insurance, Right. That's the $64,000 question that you've got to work with your CFP on. We're doing lots of creative planning, solving that very issue for clients. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky. Yeah. And, and the interesting thing is you, there's, there's really two ends of the spectrum here. One is the younger folks. And the, the, one of the interesting things is the younger folks that are younger than 26 who say, I can still stay on my parents' plan. Should I hop off of my parents' plan and get onto my own plan? Um, well, there are advantages and disadvantages of both. And then the other is the you know the 58 to 65-year-olds who are saying, hey, I want to be either retired or mostly retired. Help me figure out what I'm going to do for health care. Yeah. And so that's where, and, and the tricky thing is, like you said, Kevin, this gets reconciled on your tax return, mm -hmm. but your proactive planning is so important through this because once you get to about now in the year, it's often too late to make a lot of adjustments to your income, but work with your CFP on that. Great question, Annie. All right. That's all the time we have for today. On behalf of myself, Kevin Corhorn, Josh Gregory, all of us at KFG, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated. This is the Wise Money Show coming uh, right here. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yes, blooper reel. Blooper. <laughs> Reset that one. Uh, hey. Hey, it's all right. keeping it happens. real. Keeping happens it happens to the best of them. Yeah, yeah, it happens. <laughs> happens.